There are only a few times in the Gospels when Jesus calls somebody a fool. The parable of the man who built his house on sand rather than on solid rock is called foolish for not building his house on solid foundation, which is hearing the word of God and doing it. Also, the, the fool who um, was very rich and decided to store up all his extra grain into, into silos. He'd worked all his life to, to have all this extra stuff, so now he could eat, drink, and be merry and enjoy his life. And he says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Um, so working for something that is not actually worth working for, that can be taken away from you in a matter of hours, that is foolish. And today we have the foolish virgins who don't store up their, their oil. They don't save their oil for the moment that really matters, the arrival of the bridegroom. And all of these admonitions, warnings about not being foolish, instead being wise, get at some of the most basic questions of life. You know, that if we don't answer them, if we don't think through what the real answer is, we can end up wasting our lives, which is kind of a scary thought. Like each of these uh, warnings is about not getting to the end and like missing the point entirely. You know, so what are you building your life on? What's the foundation of your life, of, of all your decisions, of the life that you're building? Is it something solid or is it like sand that as soon as some storm comes, it'll all just get knocked over? What are you working towards? What's your, what's your goal? Why do you get up in the morning? Are you storing up grain in silos that is just going to be left behind, or are you storing up treasure in heaven that will last forever? And then I think with the gospel today, the parable today, the question that we ask ourselves is, what am I looking forward to? What am I actually waiting for? What am I holding vigil for? In other words, what's my ultimate desire? How will I know that I've arrived, you know? Um, and the parable, the metaphor that Jesus uses is these virgins with their lamps. Okay, so like many of the parables, it's about a wedding feast, which is like ultimately in heaven, the book of Revelation talks about the wedding feast of the Lamb, that all of the destiny of everything is to be married to God. God wants to share his love as intimately as spouses share their love, but even more so that each of us will be, in a sense, married to God. Our whole hearts will belong to him, and he'll give his whole heart to us. Um, and so there's a bridegroom in this wedding feast, but there's no bride. It's just these ten virgins. Um, and the fact that they're virgins is important, not just because they're physically pure or innocent, but because they haven't given their love to anyone yet. They haven't given themselves over to any um, lover. And that they have this oil stored up, that, that uh, at least the wise ones bring this oil with them and don't um, imprudently bring nothing with them. They have stored it up. They're not wasting this oil on moments that don't matter. Um, and then the fact that they're waiting, that there's this long delay, is that they are not giving in to immediate gratification, which might be tempting. Um, there is this period of, of longing and waiting while your desire grows. Um, so the important thing of this, of this metaphor is that the, the wise virgins are not giving their hearts to just anybody, and they're ready and waiting when the one they want arrives. Okay? The question we ask ourselves is, what do I do with my oil, with my heart, with my desires? Do I store them up for what I really want? Do I spend them when, the, when it really 
is something desirable, or do I waste them on things that don't really satisfy? There's a difference between, say, let's call them spiritual goods and goods of the flesh. Okay, you ever enjoyed a spiritual good? Like prayer, like the Mass, like the Eucharist. Like you just go to a really beautiful Mass, or you have this period of prayer that's really um, edifying and, and nourishing. And the more, you're, the more you drink it in, the more you are nourished by this good, the more you want it, the more your desire for it grows. Same thing with all of the spiritual goods. Say art and culture, authentic friendship, good conversation. These are the goods that when we receive them, we want more of them. They just kind of are like that. Whereas the goods of the flesh are very much not like that. You ever start eating Oreos and then you get to the whole, like a whole row is done and then you start working on the second row and, and pretty soon, like it's, it's good while it lasts, but then pretty soon you're like, ugh, I feel horrible. Maybe with Oreos I could, I could just keep going, but many of, the, many of the goods of the flesh, the more you have them, the more you eat and drink and give in to the, the desires of the flesh, the more you, it's just like, Okay, not anymore, you know? There's this hangover effect. There's this, this dis- disgust with them once you've drunk, drunk them in, um, in excess. Um, same thing with entertainment addictions or YouTube vortexes or doom scrolling. Like these things that they somehow suck us in, but then the more we have them, the more we're just disgusted with them and disgusted with ourselves. Because they're not what we're made for. The spiritual goods, they train our hearts to store up oil. And these other goods, they're not bad in themselves, but when we train our spiritual hearts on them as if they could satisfy, our oil just drains out. And then we're left with this spiritual sloth, what the Greeks called echadia, asadia. It's just this emptying out of our desire. So if we're not prudent with our love, with our affections, with the energy of our hearts, we can be drained of it. And that's not a good place to be if you've ever felt that. There's this um, priest, he uh, founded a movement called Communion and Liberation. His name is Monsignor Giussani, Luigi Giussani. He's an Italian priest um, in the latter half of the, uh, the 20th century. And he wrote a lot about this phenomenon of our hearts being kind of drained out, that modern man, in many ways, is like an empty lamp. And he has this quote that I think is very striking. He wrote this in the 1980s. I think it's more, even more applicable today. For context, Chernobyl was the, uh, the power plant in, the, in Ukraine, in the Soviet Union in the 80s, that exploded and caused all this toxic radiation to, to go over and get a bunch of people sick. So he uses that as a metaphor. He said, it, it is as if today's youths were all penetrated by the radiation from Chernobyl. Structurally, the organism is as it was before, but dynamically it is no longer the same. People are abstracted from the relationship with themselves, as if emptied of affection, like batteries that last for six minutes instead of six hours. Do you ever feel like a battery that's lasting for six minutes, and, and, but you're meant to last for six hours? There's just something like, I, I, I want that, I know I want that, but I can't get myself to do it. Instead, I settle for this whatever and just let my oil drain out and I, I keep ending up empty. So is there something wrong with me? Is there any way that I can actually get the oil back? I was talking to uh, a young woman a while back, uh, and she 
worked at like, let's say, a consulting firm or an accounting firm or some, something where she used her mind all day and sat at a computer. And she uh, worked in a, a high-rise office building here in the city and then lived in another high-rise. Uh, and she considered herself, she said, I, I feel like a modern-day coal miner. Like, instead of going down into the earth to work all day and chunk at the dark earth and pull the coal out, I go up into the sky and I mine on my computer for, for these numbers. But I still feel the same kind of isolation and um, sort of drudgery of the everyday toil. Um, have you ever heard of the, the good screen, bad screen dichotomy? Like, we spend all day at work looking at our bad screen, our email, our spreadsheets, and then we go home as a reward to look at our good screen, which is our Netflix and our YouTube and everything else. But we're just looking at screens, and it's draining us of our humanity, of our, of our fire. So all that is maybe a dire warning or maybe just a diagnosis of something we all know is true, that it's very hard to stay human, to keep our oil intact, to keep that fire lit um, for that desire for the ultimate good, what we are really waiting for, what we ultimately desire. But as a ray of hope, I have experienced great joy in riding my bike. I finally bought a bike uh, a few months ago, and I'd been riding Father Tim's extra bike that he had from his old parish, but it was just not a good bike. But I was enjoying being outside and, ri- and riding places instead of driving. It just was like, wow, the wind in my hair. I was getting sweaty when I'd get, get there, but whatever. It was fine because I, was, I felt more alive. And I finally went and, and bought my own bike and um, had been riding around the city. And just yesterday, um, I went for a ride after in the morning I woke up and prayed and said the Mass and then was riding up to Old Town. And uh, it was a sunny, crisp, cool day. And I was riding down Kinsey, east towards the Loop. And um, there's that chocolate factory there that uh, smells like chocolate right there on Kinsey. And I ride by it, and I smell the familiar chocolate smell. And then I'm crossing the river on that little bridge on Kinsey. And to the south, you can see, I think it's called the Tuning Fork Building. It's a relatively new building, but it's just this beautiful glass structure that has this tiny little base right along the river. Um, and then just grow, grows up into the sky. And it's one of my favorite views of the city, just looking down the river at this shiny building. Uh, and my heart was just full. It was a simple beauty, simple goodness. It was a crisp, cool day. The sun it was a free day, was Saturday. Uh, I prayed in the morning. I'd, but I just felt like my heart still works. It's not a, it's not a battery that's broken. You know? It's amazing when you, when you actually let the Lord stoke it. There's, your heart is an infinite wellspring of desire. We can waste it. We can feel like it's empty. We can feel like we've got nothing left. Um, but the moment we turn to him, the moment we allow him to invite us into a fuller life, which is what Jesus came to give us, we find that there's just this hope and this love and this beauty uh, and longing for life. There's plenty of oil in your lamp. There's plenty of oil in my lamp. There's nothing wrong with your heart. It's full of this love and this hope and this desire for more. St. Augustine said it this way, God, you made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Where am I looking forward to rest? What am I waiting for? What am I working towards? What is your heart burning for? Only you can choose. 
That's what, at the end of the parable, the, the foolish virgins who have no oil left, they're like, give us some of yours. I can't give it to you. If you haven't chosen it, if you've wasted your oil, then I can't give you mine. You have to point your heart at this ultimate concern, at this ultimate desire, which is the Lord. And that's the invitation from Jesus today, to be prudent with our love. To point it at the one who can actually stoke it. To to keep us warm, to give us light, to guide us toward our true home.